Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson, and today we'll be discussing three topics. First is Elon Musk and his acquisition of Twitter. Second is possible government action regarding free speech on the internet, such as the repeal or amendment of Section 230. And finally, we'll be discussing the Disinformation Governance Board in the Department of Homeland Security. As most people know by now, Elon Musk purchased Twitter for the bargain price of $44 billion, and it sent shockwaves throughout the world. Twitter has 229 million users, and the bigger reach of Twitter is that it is referenced consistently throughout news stories. So we'll see that a politician said one thing or another, and that's how the politician's voice is really amplified. But we've also seen censorship through Twitter. We see that Donald Trump has been kicked off. And then in October of 2020, Twitter banned the New York Post account for its October 2020 story on the Hunter Biden laptop, claiming that it was misinformation. Now, various media outlets, such as the New York Times, are reporting on the laptop and saying that it's not misinformation. So the censorship in October 2020 could have had a big effect on the 2020 election. So my first thought for about the Elon Musk acquisition is thank you. I hope that this that Elon Musk will be treating Twitter such that there will be less censorship, more free speech, and that it will only lead to more opinions in increasing the marketplace of ideas. We see liberals and leftists complaining about the acquisition, however. First of all, they'd say that there's no one to regulate bad speech or speech that they don't like, and the second complaint being that they might be silenced. So the first point, that there's no one there to regulate, proves the original point that conservatives made that Twitter was censoring people. The second argument, which is that Twitter may censor people even though Elon Musk has bought it, is a concern that society should be concerned about. So the question becomes, what what should we do about it? And the first thing is, is that we should be championing capitalism. Before the Musk acquisition, other apps were being constructed to take the place of Twitter. So we had Parler, Getter, Truth Social, which just came out recently, which was championed by President Trump. And we know that these apps are mainly conservative, but they are alternatives to Twitter. Liberals might be worried that they'd be censored from these applications. So what liberals should be doing is they should be focusing on building their own version of Twitter, their own apps that they can have in case someone censors them. A second thing that can be done is government intervention. And this government intervention primarily comes in three forms. A, the government could amend or repeal Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. That would be 7 U.S.C. Section 230, primarily Section C. And the law basically does two things which we're concerned about for the purpose of our discussions. First of all, it prevents a provider or user of an interactive computer service to be considered a publisher of information that another service provider writes. For example, Facebook or Twitter would not be responsible for content that a user published on the site. 
And this is important because it allows Facebook and Twitter to avoid liability actions, and thus it allows these providers or users of interactive computer services to be viable as long-going commercial concerns. The second part of Section 230, which is important for our discussion, is that it prevents interactive computer services from being held liable if they, if they take actions in good faith, and I quote, to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or users considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. Therefore, the statute is allowing these interactive computer services to censor in certain situations, and they're not held liable for it. Another option for the government would be in a bill that Senator Bill Haggerty recently released would make services such as Facebook and Twitter into common carriers. And by common carriers, this is something that we would consider similar to, to railroads. And it says that these entities are open to the public and therefore the operators of these entities cannot discriminate. Let's consider this common carrier framework and apply it to the situation of Twitter banning the New York Post because Twitter did not like the New York Post's story on the Hunter Biden laptop. In essence, Twitter was discriminating against the New York Post because Twitter was liberal, the New York Post, and the New York Post was running a story which would help Donald Trump and the conservatives. In essence, Twitter was banning the New York Post because it was discriminating against the New York Post's political views. Under a common carrier framework, Twitter would not have been allowed to do so because it would have violated common carrier laws and the prohibition against discrimination. One of the other things that the bill would require is that the social media companies would be required to list the reasons for any censorship that they may do and their guidelines for them. The third avenue that the government could take, and this has been supported by Senator Josh Hawley, is to consider technology companies such as Google and Amazon and social media companies such as Facebook and Twitter to be monopolies. And the government could break up these companies, these monopolies, by using the government's antitrust powers. This antitrust capability can be very important because the monopolies go much further than just the amount of people that are on Facebook or Twitter. For example, it can extend to the ability of competitors to even operate. An example is Parler. In January 2021, Google and Apple dropped the Parler app from their app stores, and Amazon's cloud competing unit, Amazon Web Services, cut access to Parler. Eventually, Parler was able to get back online a month later using an undisclosed company's cloud services platform. But what's important to consider here is the monopoly power. The monopoly power of Google and, App, and Apple to control apps, and the monopoly power of Amazon to control cloud computing services. These monopolies are bad for free speech, as we've been discussing during this podcast, 
but they're also bad for competition as a whole. Society needs competition so that prices can be lowered and so that new technologies can come along. It's unclear what, if any, action the government is going to take and when these laws can be passed, but what we certainly want to encourage in society is the continued development of social media applications. These acts of capitalism are not only important to our freedom of speech, but also to the advancement in society and technology. Just going back to Elon Musk for, for a second, is just a truly incredible person who's had so much to do with the advancement in our world. He's helped create PayPal, Tesla, SpaceX, and now he's bought Twitter. And it shows the power of individuals in, in a free society and the progress and good that they can do for the world. The last topic today is the Disinformation Governance Board in the Department of Homeland Security. And the best way to describe it is to use the testimony from Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas when testifying to Congress. He stated, and I quote, We protect the security of the homeland. And once again, allow me to articulate what I have said previously, which is that, is that the working group does not have operational capability and authority. It is to make sure that there are policies in place, standards in place, to protect the very rights about which you inquire, close quote. As CNN reported, and I quote, the board is an internal working group and doesn't have operational authority, serving instead in a more advisory role. It is also intended to gather best practices and support counter-disinformation activities, not monitor Americans, Mayorkas said on CNN's State of the Union on Sunday, close quote. So what we have is a government group that is designed to target disinformation, whatever disinformation may be. Likely, disinformation is whatever the group thinks is disinformation. And the proposed head of this board is Nina Jankowitz, who claimed that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Now, of course, we've learned that the laptop was not disinformation. And obviously, many people, especially Republicans, are concerned about this board, that this board is really the government intruding onto one of our fundamental rights, which is free speech. That's one of the cornerstones of America. So the question is, what's going to happen? Are Republicans going to fight it, or, or will they simply talk about it, go on TV, use it for fundraising, or are they going to take a stand? Are they going to put forth legislation to stop this disinformation board? Or will they stop legislation from being voted upon in the Senate until the board is dismantled? Or will they possibly stop the advise and consent process on Biden executive and judicial nominees until the disinformation governance board is abolished. Lastly, will these Republicans go to court to stop the disinformation governance board? Maybe individuals will go to court to stop the board. We'll see what happens, but it certainly seems like that the disinformation governance board is an affront to free speech and that it should be dismantled immediately. So this past week and a half has had many developments regarding free speech 
and we'll keep our eyes open to see what happens next. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Advancing the Agenda.